there's a whole lot of truth sometimes in a country song. Amen? I don't know. I mean, whether or not you like that genre of music or not, I mean, there, by a show of hands, would you, would you agree with that statement? Sometimes there's a whole lot of truth and a whole lot about life in an old country song in there. There is. <clears throat> this morning, I, I want to start here. And I want to start with this song, and, and you'll see how it all ties into the, into the text of where we're going this morning. But I love this song. It's about a father and a son, and, and they're riding around, I can imagine, on a Saturday afternoon, just, you know, enjoying being together while mom is uh, doing some things maybe with the girls. And, and the song goes like this. It says, the guy slams on brakes, he, he, he spills his orange drink, and then he said, my four-year-old said a four-letter word, and I was concerned So I said, son, where'd you learn to talk like that? And he said, I've been watching you, dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo, and I want to be like you. This morning, where we're going in the text, I encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And as you're turning there, I want to remind, in the way of reminder, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. There's a lot that he's dealing with. Honestly, this verse that we're going to look at is honestly the end of chapter 10. However, in the way they did chapter and verse, it begins chapter 11. It's really the ending of chapter 10. And here in the text this morning we see, I want us to look at this verse. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, where Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You've heard me say, repeat this verse probably throughout many messages because it's one of those verses in Scripture for me that was a zinger. It's one of those that you hear and you have to keep going back to over and over again. And so as I start, I don't know that I've necessarily ever preached a message just on this particular text. It's a, it's a supplementary text. It's a text that I typically will include as I'm talking about different things because it's one there that I keep before me. And the thing that I have to ask that I've asked you many times before is this. Is your life worth imitating? Is your life worthy of imitation? Furthermore, if someone was to imitate you, would they look more like the world or would they look more like Jesus? You you see where I'm coming from this morning? It is a sobering verse. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. For me, most often I will be, you know, I'm very transparent almost to the fault but there are many days that I know I miss the mark when I reflect on this verse. If you want to know if I miss it, ask my wife. <laughs> right? I mean, it is what it is. The new, the new international version translates it this way. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. <clears throat> Just like that story that I started about, started with this morning with the young boy four-year-old with his dad and he uses that four-letter word and the dad's like where'd you learn that he says i've been what i've been watching you i'm your buckaroo i want to be just like you and so i've come to remind you this morning that everybody is following somebody and everybody needs somebody to follow 
And we as believers, we as Christians should be setting the example. The, the world that we live in today, we, we've become irrelevant. We become irrelevant because we don't practice what we preach. We, we live in contradict, we, li- we contradict what we say we believe and how we live. That there's a disconnect. <clears throat> you know, this morning as we think about this, about being imitators of Christ, in order to follow Jesus, we must follow. You say, well, that's real profound. I could have stayed at home. That's not very profound. It's not, but sometimes it's the simple things that we forget to do. In order to follow Jesus, we must follow. We must be willing to be led. We have to be willing to trust. We have to abide. We have to remain in Christ because Christ says what? Those who abide, those who remain in me, I will remain, abide in them. You know, I thought about this week as well, that in order to follow Jesus, that we must lay aside things that are important to us. Recently, we we talked about, in a previous message in the last couple weeks, we talked about what? When Jesus called the first disciples, they were fishing. They, they were doing their, their, what they did as their occupation. And he, he bid them, he called them and he said, Come, follow me. And they left their, their boats, they left their profession and they followed him. What about the ones that were tending to their nets? And Jesus did what? He called them, they left their nets, they left their father, and they followed him. In order to... Christ says that we should pick up our cross and follow him. In order to pick up our cross, we have to let some things go. And this morning, as we look at this particular passage, I want to remind you of this, that Paul wasn't saying this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He was not saying this because he was arrogant, though he had all reason to be. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he was he was a, he was a zealot, right? He he knew the word. He knew he was he 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 was the most religious of them all. He had the he had the best pedigree, but that wasn't why he was saying this. It wasn't to be arrogant. Also, this morning, as we think about this, as Paul's saying, follow his example, as he follows the example of Christ. He he's not saying this because he's sinless. Paul Paul wasn't sinless. What does he tell Timothy? As he writes his first letter to Timothy, investing in a man, young man who's coming behind him. So you want to know what I talked about this uh, past Friday with the teachers at Manchester Elementary School? I talked about simply that they need three people in their lives. That that they, just out of this passage, this thought just reminded me of this. You need three people in your life. You need a Paul. You need a Timothy, and you need a Barnabas. Three people. You need that person like a Paul who is on the road ahead of you, a dot, 
a Gordon, somebody who's on the road ahead of you that's been through other trials, other struggles, seen God work. You need somebody that you can go to and say, hey, I'm going through this. I need some words of wisdom. What verse has gotten you through this? What song has gotten you through this? You need that Paul, that person who is on the road ahead of you. You need that Timothy. You need that one that's coming behind you that you can invest in, just like the verse I'm about to share that Paul told Timothy. And then you need a Barnabas. You need an encourager. You need somebody that you can pick up the phone and you can call them, and either one or two things is going to happen. You're either going to go to them and say, hey, I just need you to listen, and I need to go on a rant for a few minutes. I need to vent, and they just need to be quiet. You need somebody like that, but you also need somebody when you're down and out that you can call them and you know that they're going to uplift you, that they're going to encourage you, that they're going to pray for you, that they're going to to love you well. And so what do we know? Paul's not saying this because he's sinless. No, what did he tell Timothy? He told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.15, he said, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then here's the portion of the verse I want you to hear. Of whom I am the foremost. King James, New King James says, who I am the chief. Other translations say, I am the worst. Paul wasn't saying this because he was sinless, no. He told him what? He said, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm a man who's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I'm following him, and and I'm trying to make sure that my actions align with who Jesus is. You know, what was interesting is I studied this passage again. I've I've quoted this verse time and time again, and it it challenges me, and I I love to keep it before me. I love to talk about it. But the reason Paul could say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, is because of the relationships that he had built. Because see, what we forget about the church at Corinth, what we forget about the Corinthians, is they didn't know much about Jesus. They didn't really know much about the Bible. Why? Because the Bible as we know it, the New Testament, in the form of which we hold it, it, it didn't exist. You had scrolls, you had letters, but it wasn't together. And I think the thing that we need to remember today is that even today, most people don't know much about the Bible. They don't own one. And if they do, they don't know where it is or it's collecting dust. I tell you all the time about those things that are lodged in my heart and in my mind. I'll never forget, I went with my home church pastor, Jimmy Holly. We went on faith visitation. We went out visiting people in the fall and and kind of checking in with people and never forget we sat down with this couple they were retired they were probably in their 70s we sat down at their house we had a great conversation there was me pastor jimmy and one or two others wonderful conversation and then the question arose and they said well can we ask a question and see this is what do we talk about a minute ago we talk about having a paul and a timothy i was kind of like a timothy and Pastor Jimmy was like a Paul to me. I, he was bringing me along, just like Jesus. He was bringing me along as he did ministry. So i never forget, he said, absolutely, ask your question. And they said, hey, they said, do we have to have a Bible to come to Sunday school? He said, no. 
He said, you don't have to have a Bible to come to Sunday school. He said, the Scripture is in the material that we use. He said, I've also got Bibles in my office. I'll be glad to give you one. They said, well, good. They said, we have our Father's Bible. And when we moved, it's still packed up in the box in the garage. You know what that reminded me that moment is, as I look out today, even in this sanctuary today, there's some of you that are in that same position. You don't, you don't have your Bible. You don't know where it is. And, and, and you can stand up here and say, oh, all these, some of y'all have been Christians longer than I've been alive. Some of you have. But some of you are still just floundering around. Some of you made that decision, but you haven't grown. You haven't allowed the Lord to turn over your heart, your soul, to, to prepare it for the seeds to be planted. It's been planted on rocky soil, rocky path. It's been planted, but the weeds have choked it out. I want to encourage you this morning. This week I had the honor and the privilege to sit down with two individuals and have a conversation with them. Lead them through the scriptures of what it means to be saved. One of them, they didn't have a Bible. So I gave them two. I keep Bibles in my office, and they've, they've gone from one ministry to the other, and I keep them to give away. Because here's the thing, a, a decent Bible will cost about $40. Decent one. That's going to have last for any length of time. Now, here's my thing. If somebody isn't following Jesus, doesn't have a love relationship with Jesus, gas is $3.50, 60 cents a gallon. They're struggling to pay their bills. Do you think they, they're going to spend $40 to buy a Bible? No. We need to be about putting the word into people's hands. So if there's any of you, don't, don't feel ashamed. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe yours is falling apart, and right now you just can't afford one. Man, you come to me. I won't tell nobody. I gave it to you. I won't mention your name, but it would be, it's collecting dust. It's waiting to be opened. The best Bible, now y'all, I'm going to go from preaching this message to meddling for a minute, but you know what I like to tell people? The best Bible is a red Bible, is an opened Bible. Read the one that you've got in front of you. Maybe pick up another translation and in your quiet time read that as well and allow the Lord to, to help you grow in your faith. But I think as we think this morning about Paul, as we think about following his example, as we think about people who don't even own a Bible, you know, you might have been heard it said this way, you may be the only Bible someone ever sees. Think about this story Paul's telling the church at Corinth. They didn't have a Bible that they could hold in their hands. And listen. We live in a world where I'm pretty sure some of y'all got multiple Bibles. We live in a world where there are people that do not even have the Word of God translated in their native language. It is 2022. I'm thankful for the men and women of God who are going into these remote places that still exist, and they're helping translate the Word of God into their native language. There, there are some people 
In some countries right now, we come in here and we worry about, well, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's not bright enough, it's too dark, it's too loud. Listen, y'all, there are people in other countries, I wish I could do it, but I'm not going to do it. But listen, there's some, they'll get a Bible and they'll rip out this page and they'll say, here, Miss Dot, here, Miss Mamie. And they go and, and they have that one page and when they are apart, they read that page and they memorize it and they pray it and they, they read it and they saturate their hearts and minds with it. And guess what? When they get back on Sunday morning, not only are they excited to be together, but then what do they do? Well, here you go. You take this and, and you take this one. All they have is a single sheet of paper of a Bible, not the whole thing. And we got Bibles that are collecting dust. Pray for those that are translating the word. <clears throat> this morning, as we think about being the only Bible that someone may ever see, I want to remind you that people are watching, and they see what you're doing. They're watching. Example I'll give you this morning is I had someone recently send me a, a private Facebook message, and they said, hey, I saw recently that you went to the Mayflower in Darlington. Tell me about it. Yeah, that's a restaurant, but those are things. As we go through our lives, as we go through the struggles and the trials and the storms that we've gone through, people are watching. And they might not come up as soon as that trial or as soon as that storm's over, but you better believe that they're going to come by and they might say, listen, I know you went through a divorce. I know you went through losing your spouse. I know you went through losing your child. How did you do it? Be ready. Scripture says what? To be ready in season and out of season. To be prepared to, to, to share the hope of which we have and to share it humbly. Friends, when you've experienced something... When you've experienced something life-changing, you want everybody to know about it. When that young lady wrote me and asked me about the Mayflower Man, I told her about the mountain of food that they usually give you. I sent her a picture of it, and I also used this opportunity to tell her about my favorite restaurant in Calabash, North Carolina, called the, the Waterfront Seafood Shack. Right, And I sent her a picture of that. Why? Because I enjoy it, and the things that we enjoy, we share about. We want other people to experience it as well. So make that personal in your faith. When, when you've experienced the love of Christ, when you've experienced the forgiveness of Christ, when you've experienced the, the hope and, and the unmerited grace that God has bestowed upon you, you want other people to know about it. I want to give you a thought to think on this morning. Maybe the reason some of you aren't sharing is that Jesus isn't doing anything in your life. Maybe the reason some people in our churches aren't sharing and and celebrating and are excited to talk about what Jesus is doing because maybe he's not doing anything in your life. Because maybe, just maybe, you might be relying more on yourself. More on your own strength. And your knowledge and your connections and what you can do. But I've come this morning to ask you, what can Jesus do? What does Jesus want to do through you? When was the last time 
that you prayed and asked God to do something only he could do. When was the last time you prayed something like that? If, you're, if you've prayed it, and maybe you're going through a time this morning, maybe you've prayed something, asking God to do what only he can do, and he hasn't answered yet, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. That wayward child, don't stop praying. That broken marriage, don't stop praying. That person who's going through cancer, don't stop praying. That person who's going through a season in their life that they just don't know which way's up, which way's down, don't stop praying. Prime example, I think, and see, this is the thing you have to do, is you have to look, as I've told you time and time again, like Peter said, that they couldn't help but testify of what they've seen and heard. My father, my own father, walked away from the church for 30 years because he was hurt by a pastor. 30 years he walked away from the church. Can you imagine the prayers and the tears, the agony, the heartfelt pain that my grandparents, my mom felt? 30 years. We, we don't worship a God who's a genie in a bottle that we throw it up and say, Lord, you know, we want you to do this. Amen. Where's it at? It's in his time, not our own. So don't stop praying. Quickly, Paul could make this statement because, listen, three things I want you to see. He walked closely with God. He spent time in his word and in prayer. And he was aware of God's presence. If I could remind you this morning, think about that this morning. If you want to experience the presence of God, then you need to find a place to meet with him. A place, a space, a time that you can get alone and it's just you and him. You turn your phone off you you put the distractions away and you focus on him and it's there in those quiet spaces places and times that you get to personally know the lord by studying his word and praying listen paul said follow me as i follow the example of christ We reflect who we follow. Now, to our English people in the house, that ain't right. Ain't, ain't a word. I know that. But it sounded good. It's what I wrote in my notes, so I have a tool that helps me get better. And so you should say it this way. You reflect whom you follow. If we're following Jesus... There should be a reflection of Jesus in us. There should be a reflection of Jesus in our actions. There should be a reflection of Jesus in our reactions. So I've come this morning to ask you, how do we apply a passage like this to our lives? Well, 
I think we have to lean back in on something else Paul told us. He told the Corinthians in the second letter that he wrote them, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, he said, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. It is Christ and Christ alone. It is Jesus. It is all about Jesus. And if you get tired of hearing about Jesus, then maybe you're in the wrong place. It is all about Jesus. But I have a word of caution for you this morning as well. You are going to miss the mark. That's a nice way of saying you're going to sin. You're going to fall short. That's why you need people around you holding you accountable and asking you hard questions. Coming up on September the 11th, Sunday, September the 11th, that is our fall kickoff. Now, what's a fall kickoff? I don't know because it's the first time I've done a fall kickoff. But let me tell you what I think a fall kickoff is. A fall kickoff is going to be a time that the summer is gone. Labor Day is come and gone. People are back in their routines, especially our families with small children. And it's time for us to step into community with other believers. So September the 11th, 2022 is our fall kickoff. It is a way and a Sunday that we're going to encourage people to get back in to Sunday school. We're going to encourage people to find a group. We're going to encourage people to take part in a study that's coming up this fall. So be looking in your bulletin. There will be a handout that lists the Sunday school class, that lists the studies and the groups that are going to be coming up this fall. Find a place to belong. Find a place to where you can become who God has intended you to be. Last but not least this morning, I want to encourage you with a passage from 1 Peter. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 21. You'll find these similar words. You can look on the screen behind me. Peter writes, he says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Friends, this morning, ultimately, Jesus has left us an example to follow in his footsteps. You want to put practical application to what we're talking about today? Look at what... what they say about what Peter says about Jesus in verse 23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Look at verse 24. That he might, we might die to sin and live to righteousness. What's interesting here is he wasn't deceitful. If you want to be like Jesus, if you want to imitate Jesus, don't be deceitful. What's interesting here too this morning is it says that he did not revile in return. 
here's another example, another Sunday that we've come to a text, and I want to remind you and, and just throw out this simple phrase, sit with the text. As you read your Bible, it's so much better to read a passage and to sit with two or three verses than to read a whole chapter and say, yep, I read my Bible today. For me, that revile, what does it mean? Oh, he reviled. Okay, we just we skip over that. But what does it mean? He didn't revile in return. He didn't insult people. When people insulted him, he didn't insult them back. When people, when people hurt him, he didn't retaliate. When people criticized him, he didn't criticize. When there was verbal abuse, he didn't give verbal abuse back. We see here that he didn't threaten. And so I want to ask you this morning, what do you do when you don't get your way? That tells a lot about your heart. That tells a lot about whether or not you're following Jesus. What do you do when you don't get your way? There have been times where, since I've been leading you, I didn't necessarily get my way. And I reacted in a way that maybe I shouldn't have reacted. But what happened in there? I didn't need y'all to come running to me and come calling me on the phone and come line up outside of my office. What? We have somebody called the Holy Spirit who reminds us of when we miss the mark. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for repentance. What do you do when you don't get your way? But what we see here in the text, the number one goal Jesus has for us is that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. As I sat with this text this week, I began to think, I began to think about what Paul said. I've thrown this verse out uh, hundreds and hundreds of times before. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What does it mean to to do that? What does it mean to to imitate Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, I made a list. Like my mother, she'd be proud. I made a list. My mom loves to make lists. Then she can't find what she did with the list. I've always wondered if the second list was better than the first. But listen, if we're going to imitate Jesus, what does it look like to imitate Jesus? For, for Jesus, for us to reflect him in our lives. You know what it looks like? Here's just a few things that he brought to mind. We've got to listen. We've got to have humility. We've got to forgive. We've got to be patient. We've got to be gentle. We've got to be gracious. We've got to be praying people. Jesus was God. He was the Son of God. But he found time early in the morning. He rose, and what did he do? He prayed. Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus wasn't in a hurry. He he taught people. He instilled in them what he, he he wanted them to see about the kingdom. He asked questions. Why do I ask you questions? Because questions make you think. There are many a times that people came and they want to know something from Jesus. They ask him a question. Did he answer that question? No, he answered it with what? 
a question. Jesus valued friendships. Jesus wept. That tells us he valued friendships. Why would he have wept? He wept over Lazarus. Why? Because he was his friend. He valued that relationship. He valued that friendship. Jesus invested in others. And friends, he pointed people to his father. So if we're going to be like Jesus, then we need to listen. We need to forgive. We need to be patient. We need to pray. We need to slow down and not be in a hurry. We need to ask questions. We need to value our friendships. We need to invest in others. And we need to point people to Jesus. You know what's interesting about that song that I shared as we started this morning? I want to close with another portion of that song. In that song, the dad says, and he sings, he says, he closed his little eyes and folded his little hands, and he spoke to God like he was talking to a friend. And I said, son, now where did you learn to pray like that? He said, I've been watching you, dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo, and I want to be just like you. Friends, people are watching. Your children are watching. Your grandchildren are watching. Your nieces and nephews are watching. Your neighbor is watching. Your members, fellow friends here at Bethel are watching. Are we imitating Christ in our lives? Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Lord, thank you for this text. Lord, thank you for this verse of scripture that has just been on my heart time and time again, Father, that you keep it before me every day to ask myself, is my life worthy of imitation? Lord, if someone was to do as I do, would they look more like you or would they look more like the world? Father, I pray today that we would take this message and apply it to our hearts. Father, if we're going to indeed follow you, then we need to remember that it is all about you It is about trusting you. It is about reflecting you in our lives. Father, thank you that you're not, you didn't call us to perfection. You didn't call us to be sinless because we can't be. But Father, you've called us to humbly follow you and to repent of where we've messed up. Father, maybe there's one here today who just needs to pray as a psalmist, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Father, I pray that we would take this message, that we would, We would take a truth of what we heard from your word, Lord, and we would apply it, that we would live it out, that we would share it, that we would be a Paul, that we would be a Timothy, that we would be a Barnabas to those you've placed in our path. Father, I thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for what you're doing in the life and the fellowship here at Bethel. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. Father, I pray this week that you would give us wisdom and discernment And help us to be a vessel of hope and encouragement. Help us to live a life worthy of imitation. A life pointing others to you. Father, we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.